So every couple has that one category in their marriage they fight a lot about. Um, no elbows, please don't elbow anybody. <laughs> They're probably sitting next to you. Uh, so for Hannah and I, it's driving. Like when I'm driving, it's directions, navigating, driving. I don't know what a road trip would do with our marriage. I don't know. I don't know what that would do. And it's partly because I'm in it to win it. I don't, I'm in it to win. I don't want to drive just, I'm not playing games. Okay, my, my dad's from the East Coast. That's my model. From New York, drove around New York City. So we're here to win. And uh, <laughs> gosh, you know, I don't put a Jesus fish, around, Jesus fish on, my, on my car. No way. I, I put a Darwin sticker on there, give atheists a bad name while I'm out there doing stuff. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. If you're like, the one time I brought my atheist friend to church. <laughs> It's a great idea, though. You could steal it if you want to. You could just put a Jesus fish on the sticker, anyway, on the car. I mean, let's be honest. There are people who should not be allowed to operate a toaster who, um, okay, I'm going to stand there. That's <laughs> just, I got to get over it. Yeah, I get upset. I get riled up when I'm driving and when I'm trying to, you know, pass or whatever, bobbing and weaving. But, um, but all of us have something like that. And, and here's what, where we're going to start today is really all of life is a fight, not just with a person. But with just getting through it, it's a, it's, a, it's a fight. Even morally bad, right? You think, well, it's hard if you're good. If you do morally bad stuff, it's easier. Well, let's be honest. It's a fight either way. Because have you ever known somebody who's, if you're this way, you're a lot, let's say you lie a lot. What happens when you're lying about something all the time? It's a fight, right? You got to keep that thing up. It kind of becomes a prison. You hope no one finds out. Uh, no one wakes up in the morning and decides they want to be an addict. You know, it just... A bunch of morally bad decisions happen, and now that's a fight. I mean, getting there and maintaining that addiction, that's a fight. It's a hard place. Bad, if you live your life morally doing all kinds of weird stuff, bad stuff, that's a fight. Let me tell you something. Morally good is hard. Anybody that sells you Christianity without tears is a snake oil salesman. It's hard. It's, look, Jesus calls us to live sacrificially, like selflessly, putting yourself in the backseat, putting your neighbor or your other people around you in the front seat. That's hard to do. You know, we're supposed to be cheerful givers, right? We just talked about tithing. Be cheerful givers. You know what? You can feel that materially. That's a material pinch and still be spiritually cheerful about it. But it still stings materially, right? It's hard. It's a fight. Either way, you cut it up. Bad, good. Question is, do you want to fight the good fight or the bad fight? It's not a matter of like doing bad things is no fight. No, it is. So which fight do you want? I'm going to assume for a second, everybody in here, wants to do the good fight. Let's assume that today. And so if that's the case, let's go to the most epic fist fight, street fight battle ever when it comes to morality. And it's in the Bible, Matthew chapter four. It's gonna be Jesus versus Satan. I'm gonna read the whole thing to it to you. At least this whole section of chapter four starts in verse one if you wanna follow along on your phone or in your Bible. But um, what I want us to look at is I want us to look over the shoulder of Jesus, how he fights. What do we learn from him? And the reason we're looking at this is because the tradition of Lent, which is just a tradition, it's not in the Bible, is based on these 40 days, though. It's the, the tradition of fasting for 40 days or doing some sort of fast in your life. It's based on this passage and this portion of Jesus' ministry. So for anything else, consider this, this Lent series really just a deep dive on this particular passage of Scripture, and we're going to see what we learn in today's topic is the fight of temptation. So let's do that. We're going to do Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It's kind of on, if you cut your Bible in half, and then it's like a th half of the way through the second half. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him, Satan came to him, and he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he quotes a Bible verse here, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. There's a third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and their splendor. And he said, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Now, I know what you're thinking. First, first thing we got to figure out here is we got to know the enemy, right? That's the first issue we got to cover, know the enemy. And I know you're thinking, does this guy really believe in a, you know, a devil, you know, pitchfork, Satan guy out there? Does he really believe in that? Well, first, let's just start here. First of all, the Bible does give us, when you read this text, there is an intelligence behind evil. With will, willpower, utility, he's got a will, utility, he can make decisions, and there's an intelligence behind evil. And, and if you're going to say that that's reductionistic, oversimplified, it, isn't it logical that if you believe in a good supernatural being... <laughs> that there's probably a bad one out there, right? Isn't that like, that's logical, right? If you believe in this all-powerful, good God, you, you kind of almost say, what's to say that there's not a bad, a bad supernatural being out there? And wouldn't you say that there's more evidence in the news for this guy, the bad one? I mean, when you re- watch the news, you're like, I see a lot of bad stuff. And then lastly, I'll say this. Do you really want to believe that behind the Holocaust was just bad parenting or psychology counseling. You really want to believe that? It's a well-documented fact that the Jewish leaders in, the, um, in Europe were trying very hard to tell the story of what was going on in the early stages of the genocide to the Western leaders, particularly um, the uh, England and, and American leadership. And they, they couldn't believe them. And the rationale that was given, the response was given was, that just sounds crazy. That sounds inhuman. Who does that? We, these leaders in Germany, we went to university with them. You know, they, know, they listen to Mozart. Like, th- that's inhuman stuff. Certainly they wouldn't be doing that. And at some level, they were right. It is inhuman. It's demonic. It was satanic. It was just horrible. I mean, the, the horrific tragedies with kids. I mean, even the Al-Bashard. I mean, the current president of Syria. The guy went to school in London, got a PhD, and he's an eye surgeon. I mean, you think, but how can he? It, there's an intelligence behind evil. This is diabolical. So you got to know the enemy. He's real. The Bible gives it to him. He gives it to us. His name is Satan. Got to know there's an enemy out there. Number two, though, what's, where's the front? Like, where's the front of this battle? If you don't know where the battle is, you don't know, even know how to fight. You don't even know where the front is. Let me put it to you this way. Um, let's just say that over here on this side of the stage, on this side of the crowd, just looking at you guys, this is all morally good, okay? I'm not saying these people. I'm just saying this just for the sake of the illustration. Okay, this is all moral goodness over here, right? Every time you do something sacrificial and kind and generous, you're over here. And we do these things, right? Every now and then we do something like that. You know, it wasn't easy to do, but it was the right thing to do. Okay, let's put that stuff over here. Okay, that's everything over here. 
And then let's say everything over here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is great. Everything over here is uh, this, all this stuff is sin. This is all on this side of the border here. We're in sin, sin territory. This is all the stuff that, you know, last night you're like, you woke up this morning, you're like, that was bad. Shouldn't have done it. I didn't at the time realize it, but waking up this morning, that was wrong, what I did. Or are you coming out of that meeting going, you know what? What we just decided, that was wrong. What, what I signed on that financial statement, it was wrong. This is sin over here. That's what this is. Now, in the middle here, okay, let's, this, is, this is where temptation lives. I mean, Jesus was tempted. He didn't sin. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't cross the border and sin. But, you know, that pull that we feel that we just, it's not all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. Maybe it's certain situations. Maybe it's certain places we go to, certain activities where we're just around stuff, maybe around friends or people, and we just feel like, you know, maybe is there a way that I could get over there and stay over here? <laughs> you know, is there a way that I can kind of enjoy this and not actually cross this? And we're feeling that pull. That's temptation. So I'm going to call this, I'm going to call this, this is the sinless but dangerous territory. It's not, you're not sinning here. There's, frankly, there's good stuff in here like coffee. Coffee can give you energy to do all kinds of good or bad things, right? Money, you can build a church with it or plan a terrorist attack with it. Um, cars, right? Not bad. I mean, they're beautiful works of engineering. People get called into this incredible gifted uh, ability to make these incredible machines, cars, uh, phones. You can, I mean, there's great stuff. I, I do more discipleship and just helping people take spiritual next steps in their life over here than I ever do in person probably. I mean, it's amazing what you can do with these things. But you can also do some pretty bad stuff on these phones. I mean, this, that's what makes it so dangerous is there's a lot of stuff in here that's not bad. You know, and there's stuff in here that's like, it's not illegal. Like there's nothing, Ill, there's nothing illegal about coffee or money. There's nothing illegal about it. It's not in the Bible. I mean, the, the Bible doesn't mention cars, you know? It's not like, show me where in the Bible it says I can't own a bunch of cars. Like, nothing, nothing in the Bible about it. It's hard. This is where it's dangerous. So this is the front right here. The battle does not start. Look, it's not over here. We're not going to be talking about this today that much. I mean, this is, there's another sermon on this one. We're going to live here today. And this is where the front is. It's right here. It's right here. It's where the battle is. So that's the front, sinless but dangerous. Now, uh, the next question is, what are the tactics? In Matthew chapter four, which we just read, let's start with the first two temptations, okay? There's a phrase that's repeated both times in these first two, only the first two. Satan says this, if you are the son of God, right? That was verse three, a couple verses later in verse six, if you are the son of God. What's Satan doing right there when he sets up the thing? He's not wondering like, are you are you God? He knows. He knows Jesus is God. They go way back. Satan was, Satan was around when this whole thing was created. He was around when this thing got written. He, he knows Jesus is God. He's not wondering like, maybe Jesus is God. No, he knows. He's been around. He knows it. What he's saying is, you're God. And since you're God, this is how you should use your Godness. God is good. And he's saying, you have power. Power's not bad. Power is, can be used for good. But what he's trying to do is get him to use a good thing for a bad reason. Now, this is, this is what it is. It's not that bread is bad. You know, the first temptation, bread. 
Jesus actually does this miracle a few chapters later where he actually creates bread out of nothing and feeds people. He gives the bread away to people. And then a couple chapters later even, he does, there's something supernatural that happens. He does miracles and people are like, wow, you must be God. So it's not good. It's, it's not bad for people to worship God as, as Jesus. It's not bad for them to worship him. But here's what Satan's doing. He's twisting a good thing. He's taken a good thing, power. He's taken a good God. God's good. He's taking good things like bread and he's trying to get you to use them for the wrong reasons and use them the wrong way. So here's what it is. Satan's world is this. You use your power for yourself. Jesus's world is he uses his power for others. Satan's world is you pour your life out for me. God's world is I pour my life, my life out for you. Jesus, he, he creates bread out of nothing. Why? To feed other people. He doesn't use his power to feed himself. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve, to give his life away. And then the second thing where he jumps off the side of a temple and then he brings all this power to bring the, the angels to come to his rescue. You know what happened? Any ancient reader reading that would know that everyone would see it. It's super public. They would see Jesus falling from this great height. They would see these angels swoop in and save him. And what would they do? They would worship him. I would, if that happened today, I would worship whoever, whoever was able to call the angels to their rescue, that person I'm going to worship. And that's what, that's what would happen. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to save himself, to use his power to save himself, save his own life. He came to die. He came to give his life away. And that, that is what's going to make people worship him. That's his power is allowing himself to be killed on a cross, not saving his life, but giving it up. That's the right way. So here's what a twisted good thing is. It's a lie. So that's the tactics. Tactics is a lie. It's taking a good thing and twisting it. So the question, how do we win? Well, Jesus, he doesn't, his, his, his response isn't just no. Do you notice this? It's narratively and spiritually significant that Jesus did not just look at Satan and say, no. That's it. He didn't just stand there and yell. He actually said no, but then he said something else. He said a yes. He said what he's about. He quoted a Bible verse, which is where he's looking at, where he's focused on. He didn't just say no. He walks toward yes. Here's what you need to take away from how Jesus handles temptation. If you, you can't just say no, you got to be moving toward a yes. It's, it's, both, it's both not only which way you're facing, but there's movement. There's, there's movement toward the opposite direction. This is the way that Paul puts it in a, in a letter that he wrote to Timothy. It's called 1 Timothy. It's in the New Testament. This is the way Paul puts it. He says, but you, man of God, flee from all this. What's this? This. Sin, right? Flee from all of it and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And then he says something that's really interesting. He says, fight. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Now, this is really interesting. Let me just hang out here for a second. In the ancient world, if you said flee, like that word he uses is known to be a, like a cowardice term. It's, it's known for the weaker army. Uh, it, it's a term of cowardice. And um, this is what he's saying. He's saying, when you look at this battle of temptation, when you look at sin and all of its deliciousness over there, 
you know, Taco Bell and all, of, all that stuff. You see it and you're feeling pulled to it. You see this big army, it's coming at you, right? And if you're standing next to, let's say, God, and he says, okay, I got a plan to fight these guys. I got a plan to take these guys down. And you're like, okay, God, what is it? I'm ready. He goes, on the count of three, we're gonna run the other way. <laughs> you're like, well, what kind, of, what kind of plan is that? But that's what it is. It's flee, but it's not just flee. It's fight. It's just picking a different fight. It's, it's actually a fleeing and a flighting. Listen, some of you are battling this stuff so much, and I'm just saying it's, it's because you're probably just fleeing, but you're not doing the second part of this. you got to pick up a fight. What's the fight? It's this good fight. It's all this other stuff. It's not like you're fleeing only and running away. It's hard to run toward good, right? It's not easy. This is a fight. But the way you win this is to pick a different fight. Some of you, like I'm just going to say this. Some of you have been coming out for a while. Maybe you're new, and that's good. You should keep doing that. If you're newer to the church, just keep coming out for a while. If this is your first time here, just come out. Just get, just get, get a feel for what we're about and like what, we, what the Bible has to say, what we, how we teach. Just, just keep coming out for a while. But after a while, if you're like, you know what? This is my home church. I, I'm in on this thing. I'm I, I starting to believe this thing. I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. I'm in. Let me just say, you got to get in the fight because you can't just flee. You got to get in the fight. Some of you, you're going to be amazed how much, how little you're going to be concerned about this if you're fighting in the direction of Jesus. Let me put it to you this way. Um, this, let me finish the verse here. He says this, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. So you've been given this eternal life through Christ. Take hold of it and, to which you were called and you made your good, and, good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Essentially, you confessed, I'm in on this. I'm going to follow Jesus at some point. People knew that. You told people, whatever. And you're in. Now pick up your sword and go fight. But this is another way to put it. You can't flee this. You can't flee from temptation without following Jesus somewhere. There's no third front. There's no like, I'm going to flee from bad moral stuff by going this way. <laughs> I don't want Jesus in my life. I don't really want you know, to, you know, be a part of what his mission is, what he's accomplishing, what he's doing, how he's trying to serve and seek and, and bless people. I don't want to do that. I don't want to volunteer or serve in the church or be involved in the church. I, I just don't want to do this. There's no third front to this battle. There's Satan, the world, and then there's Jesus. And that's it. And if you're not running away from this, you're running toward it. And if you're not running toward this, you're running toward that. This is, this is a, another verse I want to share with you that kind of helps unpack this a little bit, and this is why it's so important. This is another Paul. Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus, and he writes this. He says, be very careful how you live. Don't be careless. Be very careful, very careful. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What does that mean, days are evil? It just means you're, you're going to drift toward bad. <laughs> We don't drift toward kale, right? We drift toward Taco Bell. I don't, I don't drift toward kale. I don't drift toward working out. I drift toward Netflix. It was, we, we just, it's basically what Paul's saying, the days are evil. If you just let time go and you're not intentional, it's just going to get bad. You don't drift toward anything good. You got to be intentional. It's a fight. It's a fight. He's saying, because the days are evil, he says, therefore, do not be foolish. Understand, understand what the Lord's will is. 
you know, one of the things we did recently is we talked about relationships and dating and marriage and sex and all that stuff. We did a couple series, a week, a couple sermons on that. It was really good. You should go back and watch it. We did it probably, well, a couple weeks ago. And one of the questions that you get asked as a youth pastor, <laughs> when I was a youth pastor, uh, but any pastor, we get asked this question a lot. Pastor, how far can I go relationally or, or um, excuse me, romantically, physically with my girlfriend or boyfriend? How far can I go before I cross this, this thing into sin land? How, how close can I get to this, <laughs> you know, before I cross it? And, and we can ask this question about everything in life, right? We can ask, how much do I really have to like give of my life to people in need or people who are struggling or serve people to be a Christian? What's the bare minimum I have to do to stay over here, right, as a Christian, as a Christ follower? What's the bare minimum I have to, have to let God have of my money? What's the bare minimum? Is it 10%? What's the bare minimum? You know, we can, we can ask all the time, how do I just stay on this side of the border but get as close to it as possible? And, and listen, I don't want to discredit any of those questions, you know, about the boyfriend and girl. This comes from a good place. But can I just tell you, when you ask that question, which way are you facing? Because if I ask it this way, I'm going, what is the most amount of my life I could give to Jesus? What more can I, I wake up, what more can I give him? What category is yet unsurrendered in my life? How else can I serve him? Is there another part of my life that I'm holding on to that I, that I, I need to give him? That what else, Jesus, do you want in my life? How much can I glorify you in my relationship with my girlfriend and my boyfriend? How much more can I give? Not how close can I come? Let me tell you something. If you like know that there's some temptation around here and you wander into this knowing that it's tempting, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that says I can't like, you know, text my girlfriend late at night and have her come over. And I know I'm tired. It's been a long day. And maybe we'll just, you know, we'll sit here on the couch and, you know, it's really cold in my apartment and share a blanket. Is there anything like, is there anything in the Bible against sharing a blanket with somebody? Show me in the Bible where it says I can't share a blanket. She's cold. I'm thinking of her. You know? <laughs> if you know, that, I mean, listen, a used car salesman would tell you this kind of stuff and you'd be insulted. Your intelligence would be insulted if he said it out loud to you. And yet we tell ourselves this stuff all the time. If you're ever wondering, is it a sin, you know, to when I'm tired late at night, hang out with my boyfriend and girlfriend, is that a sin? Let me tell you something. If it's tempting to you and you willingly and boldly and with no care, no, no caution, carelessly wander in this way, yep. Because why? The Bible commands you, don't be a fool. Look, if you're not a Christian here today, I'm really glad you're here. You don't have to, you can be as foolish as you want. You don't, you don't have to follow Jesus. You, don't, you, you didn't sign up for that. But if you're a Christian, you're wondering, is it a sin? It's a sin to be an idiot. It's a sin to foolishly walk through into this stuff. Because let me tell you something. Satan, he does not want you to do that one thing, that one act, whatever it is. He doesn't, he's not trying to get you to do that. He's trying to get you just to smooth your life this way. He's trying to change your direction away from God and toward him and death and destruction. He's just trying to move you. He doesn't care whether you do this thing or that thing or that one over there. He's just trying to move your direction because here's what's true of you. And this is what's true of me. We're always moving. The days are evil. We're, we're, we're always drifting some way. Usually it's not the good way. We're always moving, and he just wants to keep you moving this way. So let me put it to you this way. If it's a sin to wander carelessly into temptation and not, and not at all be cautious when you start feeling this stuff and you start seeing this stuff, but if you kind of boldly say, I can handle it. 
I can handle this. And you walk in here, if that's a sin, then it is worship to run toward Jesus. This is worship. Moving this way, following Jesus, asking for more in your life that you can give to him, that's worship. I used to be, look, I used to be insecure about this, telling people that one of the main reasons I chose a Christian college was just because I don't think I was spiritually mature enough to handle going to a secular school. I don't, I mean, you know, there's, there's party scenes and stuff at a Christian school. You, you just got to look for it. At a secular campus, you, you got to look for the, you know, Christian community. You, it's the party scenes all around you. And I just, man, I didn't think I was, I didn't think I could handle it. And I used to think that that was like something I should be ashamed of. But when I read this book, it's like, actually, that's what this is. That's the healthy cowardice to flee and say, listen, I'm not even going to walk near there. I'll pay an extra whatever intuition to avoid this. Because let me tell you something. The day I think I got this whipped, the day I think I can handle it, that's the day I am most exposed to this stuff. And I'm most vulnerable. So now, how do we win? We don't just know truth. We got to follow truth. It's a direction and movement. You got to follow truth. Jesus is on the move. He's, he's pursuing people who are in need, who need help. He's giving his life away for others. He's pouring his life out. That's the mission. I'm telling you, some of you, maybe all you got to do today is just say, listen, I've been coming out for a long time. I'm not serving anywhere. You just got to stop by that reception desk up there and say, listen, I need to get in the fight. It's not going to be easy. It's not easy. But it's a good fight. And you got gifts. You got abilities. Things God's put in you that, frankly, he wants to use in people that need them. Get in the fight. Get involved, volunteer, even just start telling other people about church, talking to people about Jesus. Go to, just go into your place of work and start encouraging and serving others. Get in the fight. Be about the mission of Jesus. And watch this stuff start to fade into the background. You got to follow truth. Jesus says it like this. I am the way and I am the truth. Isn't that interesting? Truth is not an idea. Truth is a person with a name, and his name is Jesus. He says, I am the life. But don't read the Bible so fast. You know what it says? It, here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, I know the truth. I know the way. I know the life. You know, that's, that's honestly, that's where Christianity takes a hard detour from every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world is somebody says, I know the way, follow my example and you'll be good too. Follow my lifestyle, follow my methods, my, my five-step, whatever. Follow, emulate me, emulate my example and you'll find life. Jesus says, no, I am the way. I am the way. I not only know the way. And then he says this, no one comes to the Father to God, except through me. There's no third front, people. There's no like Satan, you got Jesus, and you can go this way or that way. No one comes to God except through Jesus. Some of you have been trying to follow Jesus a long time, and it's a fight, and you're, you're, you're I mean, honestly, it's always better to be wise than a fool. So if you don't want to be a Christian, you want to leave here today and say, this was a good TED Talk. I'll, I'll try to avoid bad moral things. Um, you will have, a, I think you'll have, it's not an easier life. Remember, they're both, they're both a fight. I do think you'll have a better one. It's, it's always better 
to take Jesus' advice than to ignore it. It's always better to be wise than a fool. But let me tell you something. You can do that your whole life, but you, if you don't apply the through Jesus, you just do the follow Jesus, you'll lose the war. You'll lose the war. And frankly, I question whether or not you'll have the, the motivation to pick yourself up off the floor when you fail at this, keep going, and the power to even resist it. Here's why. Remember that third temptation? You got Jesus up on a mountain with Satan. You know, you just picture that. Sitting up there, but got to imagine a good view, right? They can kind of see this view is pretty cool. You know, they got all the empires of the world. I don't know what that looks like, but that's a pretty impressive view. And they're looking at it. And, and Satan is tempting Jesus, right? And what does temptation feel like, right? It has a feeling. You know, Jesus is over here, but this is, this, he's feeling it. I mean, like, it's, it's kind of like Garden of Gethsemane, right? When he says, Lord, if there's another way, let this cup pass. If there's another way to do this thing other than the cross, Father, let's do it. And, and he's feeling this pull. He doesn't sin. He doesn't cross the line. He hasn't done anything yet. But he's just, he's feeling this tension. It's gonna, it's, and Satan's there tempting him. He's saying, Jesus, I can give you all the kingdoms of the world. I mean, like I said, you read the news, you can get an impression for who's in charge of all the kingdoms in our world, right? All you gotta do is turn on the news. Satan's doing a pretty good job of running the world. And he's saying, I'll give it to you. I'll put all these people and all these leaders, line them up so they're actually following you and not me. He could probably do it. He's saying, Jesus, just all you gotta do is bow the knee to me. I'll skip the cross. And I don't know what Satan's feeling, but this is his Hail Mary. This is his please skip the cross. And Jesus is feeling the pull. He's, I mean, it's temptation. He hasn't sinned, but he's like you and I. He comes and goes, but he's feeling it. And he's looking at it. He's looking at the kingdoms of the world. And he's saying, I already own all these anyway. They're all mine. I am king of kings. I am lord of lords. I don't have to go to the cross to be God. God didn't have to go to the cross to be God. You ever think about that for a second? God didn't have to die for us. It would have been fair. It would have been fine. And here he's being tempted with it, and he, I don't think he just sees the empires of the world. I think he sees something else. I think he sees you. I think he sees me. I think he sees us stuck over here in a mess. We don't know which way is up or down. We think we're trying to get over here. Sometimes we have good days where we get over there, but we're just always pulled over here, and we're stuck, and we can't get out. We have no idea if we're—we don't even know what we're doing. And Jesus sees this mess— and he says, I have got to fight this battle for them. They can't win this war. They can't deal with this. And so what Jesus does is he says, no, Satan, I'm going to that cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to pay the price and cover all this mess. No matter how morally good they are or are not, we're full of this stuff, aren't we? And let me tell you what Jesus does is he pays for it. And so some of you have been fighting to follow Jesus. That's not bad, but it's nothing if you're not going through him and his sacrifice on the cross to cover all this mess in your life. All of it, once and for all. And Satan knows the moment he takes his last breath on that cross, your sin and my sin, all that covered. And Satan loses the war. You were called to fight. And you know it. You're a fighter. God put that in you. It's a good thing. Fight the good fight. 
But let me tell you something. It starts, that fight doesn't even begin until you put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone to win the war. And here's what's gonna happen. The same Holy Spirit that lives inside of Jesus is gonna come in you. And are you gonna have good days and bad days? Yeah, are Christians perfect? No, <laughs> Christians can be the worst, okay? Look at Chick-fil-A, it's closed on Sundays. I, don't, I still don't get it. I still can't handle that. Drive into that parking lot on a Sunday, I'm like, oh, Christians. You can't turn your direction at your own heart. You can't, but God can. God can, you gotta let him in. And you can do that right now. Even maybe as I'm talking, you just start doing business with God. Just tell him, Lord, turn the direction of my heart around. I'm sorry for going this way. Satan wants me to worship him. He wants me to go this way. I didn't really realize I was worshiping Satan. I didn't really realize I was worshiping other things in the world. He would love it, but I wanna worship you and I can't do it. I need you to come in here. I need you to forgive me for going this way. And I need you to do a U-turn in here. And I promise you, and I know this sounds spiritual, but guess what? You're a spiritual being. You know it. You know you're more than flesh and blood. God will come into your heart right now and he will do that U-turn. All you gotta do is ask. So I'm gonna pray. And you pray in your own words, in your heart. Use your own words, but I'm gonna pray that God does that in all of us in different categories of our life, but for some of us for the very first time. Let me pray. Lord, in a room this size, I know there are people in here who do not know how to win the fight. They've been battling, they've been battling, and they've been battling on their own strength and their own power just to try to be a good person. And it's a dead end road because Lord, we can't do enough good stuff. We can't, we're trying, but we can't, we get pulled in. So Lord, I pray that right now you would come in to those people's souls, into their hearts. Lord, we're sorry for going the other way. Turn us around, give a U-turn in our hearts. Turn us around toward you, Lord. And may we just start running toward you and fighting the better fight. Show us the way, Holy Spirit, lead us. And thank you that you won the war and we can go to bed at night and sleep good knowing that you are the victory you are the way and you are the truth and you are the life in the name of jesus christ we pray amen amen let's stand and worship together